Tone Deaf is the journey of a theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. I'm sorry for me. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the show we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren, and I'm excited to be at the last episode for the Land Before Time series, uh, TV series. Last, um, last, yes, that. Yes, the that. last one for the TV series. Thank fucking Christ. <laughs> oh man, this has felt so long. This has felt... I, oh man, I don't know why it is worse watching, like, it's both more fun because we're watching it together and mocking it the whole time, but also, dear God, I'm like, wow, wow, there's, there's very few diamonds in this very, very rough. (laughs) Well put. And the diamonds are the ones that you only put at the end of a drill bit. (laughs) (laughs) If I didn't love you, I would have thrown in the towel way sooner and just said, let the condors come and take me. Death is better than this. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. So, yeah, folks, this is the last one for the TV series. Thank Christ. Oh, man. Shall we begin? Yes, we shall. We will pick up on episode 20, The Big Long Neck Test. We open up with the kids playing Marco Polo, but it's Swimmer Splasher. Jesus Christ. Swimmer! Splasher! Swimmer! Splasher! Swimmer! Splasher! But we never got to hear what the uh, like the fish out of water was or like no. when you're peeking. I don't know. It's probably something with sharp teeth. Probably, or I don't know. It's probably something really stupid. Anyways, the game is... Lakeless swimmer out of water because we suddenly didn't know what fish is. (laughs) Lakeless lakeless swimmer out of the big wet. Mo, you're a mo. I don't know. (sighs) Anyways, the game is interrupted by Petrie, who is like, Stuff. Stuff is happening. Stuff Baby Steps needs to see. Oh, yeah, he comes in, he's like, Stuff, you guys! Stuff! Baby Steps has to come see it right now! Yep. And Baby Steps rushes off. What could be so important as to interrupt a relaxing day at the pool? Well, a reunion. Jack Braun is back with Baby <laughs> Steps' stepbrother, Shorty. Apparently there's a bomb in the Great Valley. Only Jack <laughs> Braun can stop it. That, or there's some test that I guess Baby Steps is going to have to take to determine if he has the qualities to be a herd leader. And I'm pretty sure he's not voiced by Jack Power this time. He's not. Which, I mean, so regarding this test, um, he's a kid, 
Mm-hmm. Couldn't there be a whole lot of learning in between being a child and an adult? Mm-hmm. Why determine if a child is leadership material before their balls have even dropped? Because insert stupid reason about, oh, we're going to do some sort of rite of passage, but it's not actually going to mean anything because we're not going to make these characters ever age. So <laughs> they're just going to be forever, baby. But we have to do something relatable and market research shows. The chart says. God. Anyways, Shorty wants to take the test, but the adults won't let him, because he sucks and his stupid permanent scowl on his face. Anyways, Baby Steps gets ushered away, and Shorty is ushered to the rest of the baby gang. The gang wants to invite Shorty to play Swimmer Splasher, but Shorty wants to see the sights. Specifically, some great stone bridge walkover something or other. Yeah. Something to that extent, and he sings that he sings the adventuring song to try and encourage the others to go with him. Then Shorty lies and tells the gang that they should go with him because he's already taken the long neck test and is now certified to lead others into certain death. Certified something. Shorty, certified asshole. Certifiable. <laughs> Shorty has no idea where to go, and the others don't want to go, but they decide they better, or Shorty might get lost and die, which, hey, I'm in favor of. It's like all of the development from the movie that he was introduced in was just thrown out the window, because yep. they went, oh, this character was this way. Like, did you even watch the whole movie? I know it's hard to do that. Mm. I know it is really hard to watch one of these all the way through. But if you were going to be writing something based off of one of these movies, at the very least, at the very least, if, see if the character had development from the beginning to the end. You should do your homework. Mm-hmm. If, if it's your job. To mm-hmm. write in these, you should do your homework. But Continuity motherfuckers. But that's only if A, you care, mm. and B through Z, someone gives a shit. Mm, this is fair. Ugh. Anyways, back at Baby Steps, Jack Braun is breaking down the three separate tests that make up the long neck test. One is climbing a mountain. And Baby Steps is doing that, but then almost falls and dies. But he doesn't, and then he proceeds to climb up the vertical face of this fucking mountain like the goddamn Skyrim horse. <laughs> ba- yep. Baby Steps makes it to the top, and he gets the red leaf he was supposed to. Good job, Baby Steps. Back at our... Oh, and I don't know how that's supposed to be anything. Like, I know it's supposed to be a test of bravery, but like... I think it's like a test if you can navigate difficult terrain, which... <sighs> doesn't really seem like a leadership test. No. It seems more like... Do a... you fail as a long neck or not? <laughs> like, do you fail at life is what that more is. Like, uh... oh, you're a long neck, but you can't do... Lo- In fact, I don't think sauropods were ro- were mountain goats. No. So, like, no. why would this be part of the test? Like, I, I'm like, okay, you do it, Jack. <laughs> You do it, Jack Braun. See, that's why they have to implement the test when they're young, because then they have their mountain goat feet, and they can achieve such things. And then they'll never have to use it again when they're... Oh my god, it's algebra. (laughs) This is a whole episode about Littlefoot having to take an algebra test. (laughs) I know algebra. Solve for A, Littlefoot. When am I going to use this? Can I learn how to do dino taxes? (laughs) How about a dinosaur mortgage? I'm going to need to know that. What's the property value of the Great Valley? 
<sighs> Back at our party of shorty adventurers, Chomper gets excited at some yellow buzzers and eats a mouthful of them, which grosses out Shorty, who was like, Ew, I can't go adventuring with someone who eats that stuff. And Chomper gets sad. Ruby then offers to take Chomper to see the land bridge thing herself while the others go with Shorty. Back to Baby Steps, he's given the task of finding the second red tree star in the forest using three clues. The stars have fallen, face the tree fuzz, and root out the problem. Repeating those steps to himself, Baby Steps goes off to complete the second test. And that one makes sense for a long neck, like... That's the equivalent of Littlefoot taking home Mac, is what that one is. Well, we haven't gotten to what the actual puzzle is. You just know the clues. You don't know what True, but, like, that's still something that, oh, I have to go find this specific food that's a forage. Yeah, that one is much better than, hey, you see that mountain? Go climb it. Go climb it, you mountain goat. Back at... Back at the other baby gang, Shorty is being a cock and pissing off everyone with his bad leadership since he's going the long way and not listening to people who actually know more about the area than he does. Back at Baby Steps, he finds a tree with no leaves, faces the mossy side, and looks in the roots, and he finds the second red tree star. Good job, Baby Steps. Yep. Back at Shorty, the shithead, he finally makes it to the land bridge thing, but uh, later than the others who knew what way they were going. Shorty sees how high up they are and gets vertigo and falls, getting tangled in some vines as he falls, and the others have to save his dumb ass. (sighs) Back at Baby Steps and Test 3, he's got to get across a lava pool, and he's like, Uh, shit. After saving Shorty and his dumbass, Shorty can't figure out how to get back and won't listen, so Ruby has to use reverse psychology to get him to let Sarah lead them out of there mm-hmm. by having him tell by having him lead them to lead him out of there. God, I hate Shorty so much. Yeah. Why I uh, uh, if I knew a kid like this growing up and we were all of a sudden out in the mountains, all the, you know, six of us or whatever, I would have turned <laughs> to the others and been like, guys, we can kill him and no one will ever know. <laughs> Just push him off. It was an accident. I have the conch. <sighs> I think it would have been. <laughs> Actually, no, you'd be doing what they did to Simon. So it would have been like, hey, shorty, look at the sharp stick. Does that seem sharp? <laughs> uh, Anyways, back at Baby Steps, he's struggling to figure out how to get across the lava pit safely. And so he sings, Big, 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 big long neck test. To the tune of Big, big water. And I want. (laughs) Double fuck you. I want to reach through the TV and push him into the lava. Baby Steps admits that he doesn't know how to do this test safely, and he gives up. And it turns out that giving up was the real test all along. Sometimes, you just gotta know when to bail. It was a test of judgment, and knowing when, you don't know the right decision, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Something to that extent. And so by giving up, Baby Steps passes the big long neck test part three, and Jack Braun tells him that even if he didn't pass, he would still love him. But you would never be a leader, son. But you would never be a leader. You could never lead. You could never fuck any of the bitches. (laughs) It'd be like, I would still love you, but I would be disappointed. Yeah, no shit. They 
return to the group with the good news, and Shorty tells Baby Steps to give him the cheat sheet on the long neck test, and Braun is like, no, Shorty isn't ready for the test. And the rest of the baby gang are like, that lying fuck, he said he passed the test. <laughs> what an asshole. And everyone laughs. The end. So I sit here and go, how many have not passed that test, and how many failed the test on the third one. <laughs> Do they barbecue themselves? Because yeah. at one point, Baby Steps was like, maybe I can jump it. Yeah. you see the look on Jack Braun's face as Baby Steps is like getting ready to go yeah. jump? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's I wonder... like, I'm about to be a father or a childless father. See, and that's what I wonder. Is part three, is it you fail and die? Because yeah. you end up trying to actually cross the lava and you die? Because it seems like if you make it to step three and you just go, fuck this, then you automatically pass. Yeah. Yeah. My hell. <laughs> my hell, indeed. Your hell, my hell, our Everyone's hell. hell. <laughs> Episode 21, The Hermit of Black Rock. See, that's actually a pretty cool title. Yeah. They can, they can do cool titles when they want to. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. It's an animation dip on this episode. <laughs> oh, man. So it was. So Baby Steps wants to eat some tree stars, but the wind is blowing and making it hard for Baby Steps to eat. So he yells at the sky to hold still, because he's fucking hungry. <laughs> we see Ruby and Chomper holding a pile of tree stars in their hands, but the wind says, fuck you, and blows the <laughs> leaves out of their hands and into Thag's waiting maw. We, we cut to the intro and come back to find Sarah chasing a tree star and running into a tree. And who should fall out of the tree and land on Sarah but our third favorite tertiary character? <sighs> Guido. Fuck. The Micro Raptor. What movie was he from? He was from The Great Day of the Flyers, and that, that is. Number 11? Yeah, that is. No, that's. 12? That's 12. And that is not a fucking Microraptor. No. That is not what Microraptor looked at like, you... Ugh, no. Jesus he, Christ. He looks like a prehistoric parrot with mm -hmm. no beak, but a beak-shaped spongy face. I, I just... No. Yeah, and they, they fuck up his legs. We, If you want to hear us get really angry at their design of Microraptor, listen to our episode about the Great Day of the Flyers. <sighs> it's so nice to see Guido again. <sighs> I sure did miss him so very fucking much. So, Guido, I guess Guido is here, because <sighs> I gotta be honest... I don't care. The animation dip showed me how close we are to the end of this series, and it's <laughs> the only thing that's keeping me going. Mm -hmm. Well, Guido can't fly. He can glide, so he and Petrie go to glide on the wind, and Guido gets a rush from it and wants to glide more. But Petrie tells him, no, because now the sky is too blowy. Guido doesn't listen to Petrie, and he gets carried away by the wind, literally. Petrie goes after him in the hopes of saving him, but he also gets blown away. Petrie should have let him just go. He should have just He's let him go. He's from the mysterious beyond. He'll be fine. Yeah, I should just let him go. And the, fl the flyer and the glider get blown all the way to Black Rock, which is in the mysterious beyond. And the rest of the baby gang are like, 
well, we better get the adults and organize a corpse retrieval and burial. <laughs> so Petrie and Guido hit Black Rock and bounce down it, breaking every animated bone in their tiny little hollow-boned bodies. Yep. They somehow find their way into Black Rock, Black Rock's hollowed innards, where would they panic, understandably. So, and I can't believe I'm about to say this. <laughs> so to the show's credit, and I use credit in square quotes, mm-hmm. scare quotes, Guido and Petrie both have injuries after their fall. It is not completely common in this show that when someone should have injuries, they do have injuries. Yeah. So... Guido with a hurt foot and Petrie with a hurt wing. They're both scared and uh, the show really loses any credit by rehashing Big Big Water with Mm -hmm. Don't Be Scared. And they're really stretching with the rhymes on this one. (sighs) They really, like, I get it. I get it. It is hard to write a song for every episode. But you also didn't need to make every episode be musical. Like uh, that's one of the only reasons we're able to shoehorn this in as something yeah, for our show. Yeah, because if the Condors had said you have to review something that is a musical, I'd be like, we can't legally, we can't do that. We're a musical theater podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah we already broke it with the first Land Before Time, and mm-hmm. that's only because ninety-five percent of the series is technically musical. Yeah, and like, I don't want to sit here and go, Stephen Universe did it better, even though Stephen Universe did it better. But I do get that it's hard to do new music for every episode. I get that. But my hell, did we really have to reuse Big, 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 Big Water that many fucking times in this series? (laughs) They reused it so much. They shoehorned it in, in some of the most just bizarrely awkward ways. I just, I can't. I can't can't (laughs) yeah so i think that that was when my sanity just finally snapped was that one oh my my, oh god i think mine snapped somewhere along the way in the movies we did mine might have snapped at movie three uh back at the baby gang they're yelling at the wind again as some big flyers fly overhead apparently going to find the missing petrie and guido which I don't know, that was weird, because we see them, like, five gigantic flyers, Mm -hmm. adult pterosaurs, take off. We don't see them ever again. They don't come back from their search party. The other guys don't see them or anything. And it is just kind of like, well, what happened with that? Yeah. That's That's a plot thread that just got yanked out and discarded. Anyway, well, I guess it's just dangling there, tickling your balls or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Tickling your nose and being very annoying. That's better. So, back at said missing Petrie and Guido, they find some cave plants crawling with bugs. So both of them get some nourishment. And swipe! A hand reaches down and steals Guido's food. Guido shits himself on screen just a little, but (laughs) Petrie exclaims, Wow, you are hungry! and goes to hand him another bug-covered leaf, swipe. The same claw grabs it, and who does this mysterious claw belong to? Hoo-hoo! Well, it belongs to Swooper. 
And old Tarasaw, who lives here in these here caves, and his peepers ain't what they used to be. Swooper introduces Guido and Petrie to his friends, the Rock Pillars, and when asked why he's been in this cave for so long, Swooper replies, it's because he's blind, you hear? <laughs> and yes, Swooper does talk like that. Yep. I, I was happy to see the character talk like that because I was like, I have a voice for that. <laughs> and what's great with this episode is that we have Tress McNeil, Jess Harnell, and Rob Paulson. So we have the entire Animaniacs We have group. all three Animaniacs, but... And you know what's interesting about this, too? Mm-hmm. Swooper eats Guido's bug-covered leaves. Yep. He is the only pterosaur... To eat the right damn thing. Who eats bug protein. He yeah. Eats protein. Yeah. Because I've said this so many goddamn times, Petrie and his family do not eat leaves. No. No, they don't. Maybe they would eat grass like the way that dogs do because mm -hmm. they do, but they would be primarily going after fucking fish and lizards yeah. and other things that have And blood. ducky. And then ducky. <laughs> yes. Yep, yep. Back at the rest of the gang, Sarah is skull bashing the trees to relieve her tension or something. Yeah. And Ruby gets the idea to help the helpers. And everyone goes, huh. And then it changes back to the cave gang and questions to Swooper about how he's able to get around if he's blind. And Swooper is like, well, black magic, of course. <laughs> I see without seeing by eating the souls of young trespassing dinos. <laughs> Nah, just kidding. I've memorized stuff, which is how I knew you were stealing my food. <coughs> and Petrie and Guido talk about how there's lots of food in the Great Valley, and Swooper should move there. And they offer to ride on Swooper's back and guide him to the Great Valley. Swooper decides it's a good idea and says goodbye to his cave rock friends. Mm -hmm. And after getting ganked out of the... I and, uh, excuse me. And after getting yanked out of the cave, Guido and Petrie mount Swooper's back, and they set out to, f and they set out to fly. Except, uh, it's been a long time since Swooper has flown, but he takes off anyways and drops like a fucking rock. <laughs> As they're falling to their deaths, Swooper shakes the dust off his old bones and spreads his wings. Guido and Petrie start to argue about the fastest way to the Great Valley, and Swooper is like. Hey, you kids, stop fighting on my back, little <laughs> bastard. Back at the baby gang, they bring the tree stars to Petrie's mom, who's crying over her missing son, and uh, they tell her that everything will be all right. Back at the people who will be all right, surely, <laughs> Swooper needs to land and take a break, but there are sharp teeth down there, so they tell the old lizard to keep on flying. <laughs> Swooper is like, well, we're about to have a crash landing unless one of you fat asses get off of me so I can fly a little bit longer. <laughs> and since Petrie can't fly with his bum wing, Guido decides that he can glide for a bit to help Swooper save his energy. Guido does okay gliding on the wind and actually directs Swooper to go up higher where there is an air current blowing towards the Great Valley. The Flyers make it back to the Great Valley, and all their friends spot them in the distance and cheer as they land safely. Petrie runs to his mom and gives her a big old hug. 
and Petrie brings Mama Flyer over to meet Swooper. The herd gives Guido, Petrie, and Swooper a cheer and welcome home. And Petrie and Guido break into song and tell Swooper to make his new home here. Swooper likes the sound of that, and everyone cheers. End episode. And then Swooper dies off screen. And then, you know what it made me think of with Swooper? Was that old long neck Pat? Pat from yeah. from uh, movie ten, mm-hmm. and now like they're like you should come back to the Great Valley with us, and we never see him ever again. Nope, <laughs> it's, it's like he died. Dead. Yeah, he because he got his leg burned by lava too, so you mm-hmm. know he died along the way. Yep. They got attacked by sharp teeth, and they were like, "Hold him off, Pat." Yeah. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Hey, Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our Patreon sponsors? It is! Woo! We would like to thank our stage crew sponsors, Jeff, Reagan, and Jasmine Wu. And our producer circle sponsors, Jesse, Bianucci, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Do you want to touch a pulsating blue cube? Do you want to turn into an animal but for only two hours? Do you sometimes, like, want to be a bear and feel the power? Are you afraid of slugs crawling into your brain? Do you remember the 90s? A little bit. Remember those books with kids turning into animals? I do. We're reading every single one. Join us on our journey with Animorphin Time with Nate and Tyler. You can read along. You don't have to read along. We'll read for you. Animorphin Time with Nate and Tyler. And now... The lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. Alright, episode 22, Return to Hanging Rock. Uh-huh. Um, return? When did they go there originally? Haha, <gasps> we'll find <laughs> out. The animation drop persists, and we see Chomper and Ruby's cave. And it's night, and Chomper is rushing Ruby out of the cave to see the flying rock storm. The biggest flying rock storm they've ever seen. We return from the intro to find the entire gang suddenly assembled, even though it was just Ruby and Chomper when we left. Chomper is giddy as fuck over the flying (laughs) rocks, and Ruby is like, Hmm... And when asked about her hemming and hawing, she comments that she's not sure if she's remembering a memory or not. The next morning, Mr. Big Nose is like, Oh boy, you kids look tired. Up watching the flying rocks, huh? Well, there will be more tonight. It's the time of flying rocks. You know, a thing we can totally predict that happens with some regularity in our dinosociety. I mean, it's like the Perseids meteor shower or the Aquarids or things like that that happen semi-regularly because it's all the leftovers from a comet tail, but they like to make the flying rocks look more flying rocky rather than what a meteor shower would really look like. Well, and, and that would imply that they have, you know, 
they're keeping track of calendar yeah. type, you know, they're able to be like, well, in so many X years, these things will return. Because you hear them when they talk about time, many bright circles ago, many yeah. dark circles ago. I mean, Mr. Thicknose seems to be the smartest of the gang, like the Great Valley, we, trying to... We also know that he is a big fat liar. He is, but in, in the TV series, <laughs> he seems to have improved to being more of like... Okay, now I'm going to really get to where I know shit. Well, I guess <laughs> and that's also true. hunt Bigfoot. And also because I will find him <laughs> and I will kiss him. Uh, I will be the little spoon. And we will fuck. <laughs> Deal with it. So, uh yes. And then Mr. Big Nose sings about the fucking Skyrock stuff. After the song, Ruby is like I remember the thing. I wasn't sure if I remembered if I remembered remembering or not. And she talks about being little and getting lost at night and seeing flying rocks and crying because she was scared and alone. Ruby is found by her mom, who then shows her hanging rock and is like, "This is hanging rock. It was in the title. We're going to be <laughs> returning here. If we ever get separated, come back here." And so Ruby decides that uh. Now is the time to go to Hanging Rock, cause reasons. I mean, what is the logic behind this? Ruby is in the Great Valley with Chomper, and her parents know it. Why does she need to go to Hanging Rock to make sure her family is safe? Why would they be in danger? Yes, flying rocks can hit the ground and start big booms and start fires, but Ruby's parents are adults, and like, why the fuck this is... Yeah. This is a dumb plot. It's not a good plot. It really isn't. And it takes Ruby out of character for it. Uh, yeah. So Ruby decides that she needs to think in her thinking place. But Ducky, Thag, and Chomper are like, Hey, if you're going to Hanging Rock, we're coming with you. And Ruby is like, But I'm faster without you slow runners slow running behind me. And the others are like, We won't be slow. Cut to them being <laughs> slow and Ruby telling them to hurry up. In the mysterious beyond, Ruby sees some burnt trees and is like, I don't remember these, even though I was a young child last time I was here. And they keep walking and the others get tired and Ruby is like, Gah, I knew you'd slow me down, you slow runners. <laughs> the gang loses Thag, but then finds him just in time for them to get chased by some fast biters. While they're running, Ruby trips and hurts her foot so she can't run anymore. Chomper and Thag carry Ruby, and the gang somehow make it to a cave away from the supposed fast biters. While they're hiding, Ruby scolds them for coming with her to the mysterious beyond. The gang hears the fast biters getting closer, so, uh, so head deeper into the cave. They encounter a Pokemon named Skip, who uh, <laughs> looks like a squirrel, beaver, cat, bear thing. Anyways, Skip leads them deeper into the cave. Ruby asks Skip where, uh, if he knows where Hanging Rock is, and Skip does. So Skip shows them. We cut to the gang on one side of a fucking canyon, <laughs> to them being on the other side of said fucking canyon, and walking up Hanging Rock. 
that right there, that right there is a fucking day, a fucking long mm-hmm. way to walk with a bum foot in mm-hmm. God knows what predator country in said canyon. Yep. Any fucking ways, Ruby finds her parents <laughs> at Hanging Rock and her siblings and is excited to see them. They're all reunited. Yay. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense. Why are they here? Just because there are falling rocks doesn't mean there is danger. Why is Ruby... Why is Ruby's clan in their fallout bunker? Ruby starts to sing yeah. the normal ending of the show, the happy song, the like, I feel so like I great. feel so happy. I want everyone to see. It's like the bright circle. It's shining. <laughs> Red Claw roars and interrupts the fuck out of the mood. So Ruby and the others bail. Ruby realizes that her friends are like family to her. And they're like her great valley family. And she bids them, and she bids her uh, normal family farewell and heads back to the great valley with the others. That is until a falling sky rock falls a little bit too close and explodes and causes a fire. And the gang runs from the fire. They encounter Skip again, who is trapped by the fire. And Ruby saves him. That is until the flaming tree falls and cuts their path off. Suddenly, Petrie, yes, Petrie, swoops in and saves the gang by leading them to G-Paw Big Steps, who has the kids climb up onto him, and he raises them to safety. The rest of the baby gang is up there waiting for them, and a big happy reunion happens underneath some sky water. The gang tells Skip that he can come and live in the Great Valley with them, and even though he doesn't have any family to stay with, the Great Valley is like one big family, and everyone smiles while it rains around them. End episode. They're one big family, and later on, they're all going to drink from the carbon dioxide lake. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, I thought about with Skip when they're like, hey, come live with us mm-hmm. and stuff, is Skip showing up and Topsy being like, what the fuck is this? Another immigrant <laughs> come to eat my food? Get out of here, you little rat. You know, and, that 100% happened because we never see Skip again. That's why we don't see these guys. Topsy just like leads them to, he tells them, hey, you're new here. Do you want to know where the best food is? And he leads them to like a drop. Yeah. And he just pushes them off and he commits murder. Absolutely. There's like this, there's this odd assortment of com- decomposing dinosaur bodies. When that gets found by a paleontologist, they're going to be, they're going to fucking cream their pants. <laughs> there's an apatosaurus next to a pterosaur, next to this little mammal, next to. <laughs> yeah. And the list goes on. <laughs> Episode 23, March of the Sand Creepers. We open up with Thag doing what Thag does best, eating, and Ducky (laughs) finds more food for Thag to eat. Way to enable him, Ducky. (laughs) Anyways, Ducky sees something and goes to investigate and finds the title, also known as a crab. Oh, and uh, (laughs) the animation is better in this one than the previous episode, for whatever that is worth. Anyway, Ducky is fascinated with the crab and wants to chase it, and she does. That is, until she falls down a ledge and finds herself in the middle of a fucking nightmare. (laughs) Hundreds, hundreds upon hundreds of crabs swarming all around her. You say nightmare, I say seafood buffet. (laughs) uh, 
when there's that many gathered in one spot and you're the only thing not one of them, you're the buffet. That's where you get a bucket and you just start scooping. Especially when you're the size of Ducky compared Uh, to the crabs. I was thinking they were getting ready to tear her apart and dine on her flesh if they weren't (laughs) all gathered to get their claws wet in crab juice, if you know what I mean. (laughs) That's not the best innuendo I've ever come up with. I'll try to do better over the course of this episode. Crab juice. Gotta get my claw wet, if you know what I'm saying. Gross. Wait, are, cla- are crabs like spiders and one of their legs is their dick? Or do they have a penis? How do, wait, do they lay eggs and then the men jizz all over the eggs? How do crabs mate? That's a very good question and something I've never thought about before. <laughs> and now I have to, fuck. God damn it. God damn it, Warren. look up how crabs fuck. I shouldn't say fuck. I should say mate, because that will re- that will provide very different re- <laughs> results. One will provide like horrible fan art, and the other will provide scientific analysis. Huh. From LifeScience.com's Animal Sex: How Crabs Do It. <laughs> How crabs get crabs. The male transfers sperm by inserting his gonopods, sexual organs resembling antenna, into the two genital pores called gonophores on the female's underside. Some crabs will mate standing up, facing one another, but most species actually prefer the missionary position with the female beneath the male. I am so erect, I'm worried I'm going to run out of skin. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, the sand creepers, they're clacking and clacking, and the kids are like, are they talking? And G-Paw Big Steps is like, if they are, it's not in any language we can understand. But Topsy comes in to be like, these fucking things are in my way and I don't like them because they're different. And at a meeting of the Great Valley, <clears throat> I didn't put an end parenthesis there and uh, quotation there. I love how he's slowly getting more and more like Alex Jones. <laughs> well, I mean, large, dumb, ignorant, and loud, so. Okay. They're turning the. F- they're turning the hoppers gay. And at a meeting of the Great Valley adults, the case is made by Ducky and G-Pop Big Steps to be patient and let the sand creepers exist in peace. And Tomsey is like, Okay, until I decide I hate them and want to smash them. Cut to the adults tripping over themselves to not step on the sand creepers. And I just now noticed the red ones have dead soulless pale eyes <laughs> so they must be boys and the purple sand crawlers have girl eyes and you know exactly what i mean when i say girl eyes don't you listeners <laughs> anyways ducky gets beaten gets gets not beaten sorry ducky gets between a long neck and the creepers and sings a song about looking down and being careful not to smash crabs sarah is like These immigrants are not welcome and should go back to where they came from. (laughs) The kids decide to follow the path of the crab caravan all the way to its origins. Turns out the creepers were fleeing their body of water, which uh, 
had an unfortunate surprise merger with a volcano and its hot, molten love all over. The gang spots a crab that is stuck on a rock surrounded by lava, and they're like, Oh no, that poor fella is trapped. We have to save it. And they do what they do best, roll a log to use as a bridge. However, the creeper knocks the log into the lava and it bursts into flames. The gang are like, Hey, that's rude. We're trying to save you. Oh, and the creeper, Jesus. And the creeper fucking talks like a sailor slash pirate. <laughs> and uh, sounds like a Mr. Krabs knockoff. So this must be Mr. Krabs. Great, 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 grand douche grandpa. Because he heckles the kids about the absurdity of him needing saving. And he grabs a blade of grass and launches himself. Yes, you heard me. Launches himself with a blade of grass like a catapult over the lava. And then he lands on Sarah's face, grabbing her nose horn and swinging around it. All while talking like a cheap ripoff of the greedy red capitalist we all know and <laughs> think about with melted butter. What? Mm. Just me? Oh, there, and you. There's okay. a crab place not too far. <laughs> mm. Seafood's expensive, especially in a fucking desert. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the fucking guy is such a douche and basically tells the kids, If I wanted to your help, I'd be asking for it. The name is Scuttle, and I be a hard-shelled veteran who sailed the prehistoric seas. And the kids are like, we've never seen a sand creeper who can talk before. And Scuttlebutt replies with, Yar, all sand creepers can chalk, but only Scuttlebutt can talk to leaf eaters. Har, I've been all around the world and docked in every port. I'm... I'm the only crab with crabs. Yar! <laughs> Jesus Christ. And Scuttlebutt goes to tell the kids <laughs> stories about his adventures. And Sarah is like, Sarah says what I'm thinking. Oh boy. Not only does he talk, but he talks too much. <laughs> and Baby Steps tells her to shut up because uh, apparently they will need Scuttlebutt's help to get the sand creepers to come back to their home once the smoking mountain stops in a few days. Or so Scuttlebutt says. Scuttlebutt reluctantly agrees to come along to the Great Valley to convince the other creepers to come back home, but only if the kids gather some food for him for the journey. And then he directs them to a whirlpool where they need to gather the greens where they need to gather the greens from. Ugh. Even though we've seen him just reach in to the waters to reach into the water by the shore and grab some greens. But whatever. Sarah volunteers for the suicide mission in order to avoid hearing more of Scuttlebutt's stories, and she ends up getting sucked under the whirlpool. I love, though, when he's being like, Ah, but I need some of you to listen to my stories. And Petrie and Littlefoot are like, uh-uh. And Ruby and Chomper just get this resigned look on their faces like, No. And that's when Sarah's like, I guess I'll go get those greens now. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so Sarah gets sucked under the whirlpool. Baby Steps thinks that Sarah is dead, but then she pops back up covered in water greens and is like, this fucking crab! And when they go back to give Scuttlebutt his greens, it's just in time. Chomper and Ruby have almost been bored to death by his stories. <laughs> 
Scuttlebutt chomps down on some greens, but tells the kids that he needs more for the journey. A pile yay big. And Sarah gets ready to wreck his shit, but Baby <laughs> Steps convinces her to come along and get the greens. Back at the Great Valley, Ducky's mom is like, These fucking crack-clackety-clackers, they're making too much noise, Ducky. Your brothers and sisters can't sleep. Can you tell them to shut the fuck up for one minute? <laughs> and Ducky is able to channel her inner bard and lulls the sand creepers to be quiet. Good job, Ducky. She sings a song and it's like, time to be quiet. Time. Quiet, please. Yeah. It's basically remembering, mm. but singing about being quiet. Whatever. Back at the rest... They don't care, I don't care. Yeah, pretty much. Back at the rest of the baby gang, Sarah is fucking furious <laughs> after who knows how many suicide attempts at the whirlpool she finally has enough greens but scuttlebutt wheezes his way into another request for them to build him a nest and not just any nest see no a powerful mighty nest fit for a creeper king <sighs> or so i think he would have said if sarah hadn't lost her temper and bullied scuttlebuck into going to the great valley Scuttlebutt relents, admitting that he doesn't that he does get lonely when no one's around to hear his stories, and he agrees to go to the Great Valley. Sarah throws her victory in Baby Steps' face, being all, See, sometimes it pays to stand up for yourself. Which, <laughs> I mean, fair. Yes, fair. kudos, Sarah. You were right this time, but most of what you do could hardly be called standing up for yourself and is usually ignorant bigotry and anger you learned from your dickhorn father. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the gang sets off back to the Great Valley with their new creeper companion. <laughs> back at the Great Valley, Topsy is losing his fucking mind with these creepers and is making vague threats, but he gets cut off as clack, clack, clack. Clack, 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 clack. We see Scuttlebutt on an archway putting out uh, putting out the echoing call for the creepers to return. As the long march begins, Scuttlebutt tells Ducky that the creepers have a name for her, Smiley Softshell, and that she is super popular with all of them, and that if she ever needs a friend, she has a whole lagoon full of them. <laughs> Smiley Softshell gets very teary-eyed and tells Thag that she will miss her new friends. Thag and nods his head in agreement, but not before one of the creepers grabs his nose and pisses him off. Oh yeah, in this episode, yeah. there's been a yellow... I don't know what the deal is with the colors. Red obviously is boy, purple is obviously girl, Scuttlebutt's red. And then there's been a yellow creeper mm. that's been harassing Thag the whole time. Yeah. I don't know. We don't see other yellow creepers. Just no. this one. And I don't know if it's a color choice to, like, distinguish it from the I others. I think that's what it is. It's just so that they can have their little everyone laughs ending just, at the end. I don't know. But yeah, so this yellow one's been harassing Thag and it grabs his nose again and pisses him off. Scuttlebutt goes up to the others in the baby gang saying, Yar. I do hate me a long goodbye, so I'll simply say farewell. And Sarah fucking yeets this crustacean's <laughs> yeah. ass into the river of creepers, and Scuttlebutt yells to the kids as he's carried away by the river of shell that, <laughs> that he has more stories to tell them. Thag is chasing the creeper who booped his snoot, and the gang laughs. <laughs> End episode. <laughs> booped his snoot. <sighs> oh my god. 
Oh my god, episode 24. So we have 24, 25, and then 26, and then we're done. And then we're done. <laughs> episode 24. Search for the sky color stones. Sapphires? Are they talking about sapphires? Are they looking for sapphires? We already had a sparkle stone episode. Why do we have another rock hunt? Okay. We open up on a rainbow, and uh, that's the sky colors. And uh, I guess there's a stone that makes those colors, so that's the adventure. Okay, whatever. Yeah, the kids are watching a rainbow, and then it goes away, and they're like, Aw, I sure wish we could see these colors all the time. I know we can find them at the Fishwater Fast Cave Stones. And so what happens is Sarah and Baby Steps both say where to find the stones at the same time. Yeah. And I was trying to be clever and combine them <laughs> and i regret my decision <laughs> and sarah and baby steps disagree on where to find these stones the fast water says baby steps or in the cave says sarah and so the gang sets out on an excavation trip to see what they what to see if they can see what kids see in lucky charms it's <laughs> <laughs> not even the right one <laughs> Oh yeah, it's after Be Lucky Charms. I, I don't, I don't. It's it's the best cereal that kids have to be able to see the cinnamon sugar swirls in every bite. I blame it on um, the hundred and however many degree weather it was today. I just blame it on the fact that I don't like these and I don't want to do them. <laughs> Anyways. Holy shit, back from the intro, we have a sky shot of the baby gang heading towards the river. And we can see the outlines of Sarah's animation <laughs> and, like, the ovals for her head and body underneath the color. And the details, so it's an animation error. Speaking of which, the animation is not the worst in this episode besides that weird, weird error. Well, and they also go back to the 3D models that they do every so often for movement. Yeah. That, like, I think the one that's the weirdest is Ruby. <laughs> Ruby stands out the most, doesn't it? I don't know why. I don't know why Ruby does stand it out. Doesn't, it doesn't walk in a normal way. It, it, it's very robotic. It's very robotic and looks kind of like a bobble <laughs> it's so fucking weird so the gang is turning over stones in the river and sarah gets mad and gives baby steps shit for being bad at finding sky color stones sarah leaves and ruby ducky and thag go with her chomper gets excited at a beehive and brings it to baby steps and petrie who freak the fuck out and run away from the stinging buzzers. Back at Sarah and her excavation party, she's giving shit to everyone else being all, I doubt any of you will find sky color stones because you're all lame and I'm the best. And Ruby is like, I mean, I might find one. You don't know. I won't know. In fact, I won't. In fact, I'll sing a song about how I'll find stone first. And the two battle song battle over who will find a sky color stone first. After the song, Ducky is like, Maybe I'll find a stone too. Yep, yep. And, the, and Sarah continues giving shit and talking about how great she is. And she falls through the tall grass and into an underground cave. <laughs> the rest of the gang follows, laughing as they slide down into the mysterious below. <laughs> 
Back at the baby, back at baby steps in Petrie, Chomper continues torturing them with stinging buzzers as he's eating bug after bug with a happy grin on his face, and Petrie and baby steps are hiding in the water while he's doing it. Yep. Back at Sarah's excavation party, they're looking through rock after rock after rock after rock after rock until Sarah is like, found one! Told you I would. I'm the best. You all suck. Kneel before my three-horned supremacy. <laughs> and then Ducky is like, uh, Sarah, this is a cave sparkle, not a sky color stone. And then they hear Thag's happy, <laughs> And Thag is the first one to find Skycolor Stone. And it's a geode. And it's pretty. <laughs> Back at Baby Steps, who gets his baby snoot booped by a snapping shell, <laughs> Chomper eats it, and Baby Steps is like, Damn it! They're all around here! Uh, I'll, I'll find it and I'll rub it into Sarah's smug face! <laughs> Back at the Cave of Few Wonders, Thag gets stuck, and Ducky, Ducky just takes his stone gets mesmerized by it, and then fucking wanders off, leaving Thag stuck in the cave. <laughs> Ducky hears Thag's grunts and is like, Oh, oh shit, that's right. Thag is stuck. Oh, oh Thag, we'll, we'll save you, but, but after we find more bright, shiny stones. Back at the river gang, Chomper is all, Is this one? Is this one? How about this? Is this one? Is this a sky color stone? Is this? And Petrie is like, done with Chomper yep. and asks Baby Steps if they can finally look elsewhere. And Baby Steps agrees. And then they set out to go find the others in the cave. Back in the cave, Sarah and Ruby are getting pissed about not finding any sky color stones. And Ducky is like, oh, I'm sorry you two have not found any. And then she goes to her fucking pile of sky color stones <laughs> that she's found. And Ducky has this greedy glint in her eye. She has a horde. Yep. Chomper and Baby Steps find the hole in the ground and go into the cave to find the others. And Ducky sings a song about how she has to hide her stone. She has to hide them. Her <laughs> preciouses. Because the others will want them. And Ducky is going nuts over it. Yup, yup, yup. Meanwhile, Baby Steps and Chomper find the ass end of Thag, <laughs> who is very not happy. He's been stuck and forgotten. However, Ducky found yet another sky color stone and is trying to sneak past Ruby and Sarah, who were like, The fuck is that you're trying to hide behind your back? And Ducky trips and drops the stone and keeps shooting glances at her horde, while the others <laughs> are like, The fuck, Ducky? Holy shit! Ducky is like, Back! Back! Mine! These are my stones! My preciouses! <laughs> And she hisses at the others with a wild look in her eyes as she bares her teeth and swipes her non-claws, telling the others that they will never, never take them from her. They'll have to kill her to take her stone. And Ruby and Sarah are like, the fuck, Ducky? You're acting like we. You're acting like us when we were acting like jerks. And then the pile of stones slide, and it turns out that Ducky built her horde too close to the edge of a cliffside in the cave, and she falls, holding one of her stones in one hand and the ledge in the other. <laughs> Ducky has to come to grips with her mortality and realize th and release the stone so that she can be saved by Ruby. <laughs> Ducky lost her preciouses. <laughs> 
Meanwhile, Fag <laughs> is still stuck, and the dino gals are like, oh, yeah, Fag. Fag is a thing. And the gang frees both, fa- both Fag's ass end and front end. Baby Steps and his party are like, we didn't find any stones. And Sarah and her party are like, yeah, us neither. Wanna go play Splasher? And the gang heads out of the cave, and as they do, Fag's ass bumps the cave entrance, and a stone falls, cracks in half, and reveals the sky colors within. As the gang continues walking, none the wiser. End episode. That one was kind of fun, just for just Ducky. Just for Ducky. Like, so that, that made that episode. <laughs> Watching Ducky go insane was an experience so yes when the sh- er, yeah i mean it's it's that one's an okay episode yeah like overall it's yeah. an okay episode and ducky and her psychosis kind of bump mm-hmm. it up a notch you know yep but just <laughs> she goes fucking crazy my precious yep 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 <sighs> the greedy three horn and greedy long neck and the fast runner want to take our precious no no they're our friends they would never take it yes yes they want the stones we have to kill them <laughs> <sighs> episode 25 through the eyes of a spike tail this one you said was one of your favorite episodes and it still kind of is just for i don't know i'm i've grown to really appreciate spike and i kind of like seeing the inner workings of spike i don't versus i don't dislike spike at all Mm -hmm. uh and i don't dislike this episode Mm -hmm. i just found it kind of weird i don't know oh it's weird it It, it, yeah it it is funny how it's it's like that king of the hill episode where you see from boomhauer's perspective and everybody's talking like him and he's the only one who's talking normal and and the thing that i like about it is that it kind of was it i wouldn't say taking a risk but it's definitely changing things up and from a writing perspective that's kind of cool when when you're able to do that and so them being able to go okay we've never seen anything from this perspective ever let's do that with this yeah and that's perfectly Mm -hmm. fair it is a different episode and it it, i guess the reason that i don't like it as much is because the overall plot of this episode i feel like is pretty weak the overall plot is stupid as fuck but (laughs) i feel like if you would have put it put this episode but with a different plot that was mm-hmm. better it would have mm-hmm. been a better episode overall because yeah. it's not you know it is fun to have it be from thag's mm-hmm. perspective and hear his commentary on the rest of the gang and i i remember when i first watched this episode when i saw the title i was like uh whatever and i i i will agree the plot is pretty damn piss poor but because of the inversion of everything using spike it was like this is actually, you you guys had something here. I mean, you wasted it, but you, you had, had something You had here. something and you pissed it away, but you had something. <laughs> For a brief moment, you had something. Yeah. All right. So episode 25, Through the Eyes of a Spike Tail. We open up with the gang forming a dino pile to try and grab some tree sweets, but all of them piled up high can't reach it, so they decide they need Thag to complete their dino tower. 
Back at Thag, everything is purple. Thag <laughs> has purple vision. And it's his inner narrator guiding us through his thoughts. Thag can hear the tree stars singing, I think. Mm-hmm. But he eats them and it's like, ah, nothing like tree star screams to start the day off right. Ah! The best part of waking up is tree stars screaming stop. Fag gets roped into the dino tower by the others but Ducky still can't reach the tree suites and for whatever reason Petrie is just fucking useless why don't you Petrie fly over to that branch and just pluck each berry one by one or something you useless pecker face break the branch or something whatever anyways (laughs) the gang falls from their tower and into the water and as they come out of the cold river shivering mr big nose is like hey kids other than being cold hungry and miserable how's it going (laughs) trying to get those tree sweets huh have you tried cold hard water sweets why did I suddenly turn him to, like, some weird Barney? I, I don't, don't know. I think it's because my throat hurts and trying to go <laughs> low hurts. Okay, but then Topsy comes in to argue because that's what he does best. And we see Thag's purple vision and he's like, Man, all these hard heads arguing, they're so busy. They can't hear that green food can sing. Only I can hear the green food sing. Because I might be crazy. <laughs> Anyways, Mr. Big Nose gives the kids directions to the hard water suites, and it's a fucking journey to the edges of the Great Valley. Kay, could you imagine if someone was like, Hey, Kay, do you want a treat? Well, it's on the other side of the Salt Lake Valley, up a mountain and through a canyon. How bad do you want that slice of cake, Kay? Popeyes. We have cars, though. No yeah. One, you're not walking through. But, like, before we could get Popeyes, like, just down the street from us, it was Lehigh, or it was Hill Air Force Base, or we had to go to fucking Las Vegas or Arizona or Colorado True. for Popeyes. True. But it was always going to one of those locations for something else. True. And Popeyes was a bonus. True, but we were, like we once were, it opened in Lehigh, we were like, if you wanted to drive to Vegas for Popeyes, I would have been like, <laughs> no, would have been the White Castle, Kay and Warren go to Popeyes, <laughs> and we and the wacky adventure ensues. But yeah, no, I I mean like it's it's like the uh, oh you wanna you wanna go have some really good spicy chicken? Well, first you have to go into Utah County, and then you have to navigate through the fucking thanksgiving point exit and then you have to wait in a line for three hours yeah for popeyes i think it's worth it (laughs) i'm so glad that they opened popeyes in the salt lake county Uh, now there's more now yeah thank god okay so we're back to thag and oh yeah in thag vision the others just grunt and grunt and don't speak they sound like thag does to everyone else Anyways, the gang finds one of the landmarks, the tree with two trunks, and continue to where they think the hard water suites are. Thag starts to wander a different way, because only he can hear the siren song of the tree suites, but Petrie is able to talk him back to the rest of the group by threats of death by avalanche. Mm-hmm. It's J.J. the jet plane. 
Curse you, Metal Skybird. <laughs> That's the one thing that we're missing out from not watching these on VHS, is the JJ the Jet Plane commercials that creep me the fuck out, and Timmy the Tooth. I remember Timmy the Tooth. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Oh, God. Okay. The gang finds the waterfall and have to figure out how to get around it. They do find a way behind the waterfall, and they're now all freezing to death. <laughs> oh, I should mention that, uh, I didn't mention before, that this episode takes place, like, in the fall. Mm -hmm. They're talking about that the cold times are coming. Yep. And so, yeah. So, the gang... Yeah, so they're freezing to death because they're behind the waterfall. The gang finds the next landmark, and Petrie is like, Yay, I'll fly ahead to Gusty or Gutsy Canyon. And Sarah corrects him, it's Gusty Canyon, but it's too late. I just pictured Petrie getting splattered with entrails, <laughs> but it's just the wind. Sad Warren. <laughs> Anyways, it would have been the first time he'd have something hit him that he'd be like, this is what I should be eating. Oh, oh, <laughs> Petrie is meat eater. Petrie sharp tooth. Yeah, sharp, he's one sharp tooth. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the gang continues through the gusty canyon and to the snow-covered mountaintop, and still no hard water sweets. Fag and his purple vision hear the song, and he marches off. Baby Steps and Sarah are yelling back and forth, and Petrie is trying to tell them to be quiet because avalanche. They continue, uh, Fag continues following his purple vision, and uh, it's just fucking berries with a layer of ice over them which i mean come on if it's a frigid mountaintop how do they grow then get flash frozen and stay frozen as to preserve their berry goodness and not be made gross it's <laughs> nature don't work that way no but they're gonna get so drunk because that's what the birds would used to get drunk off of where when the grapes would freeze and then thaw then well yeah because it kills them and they're rotting oh, yeah that, that would actually be a great episode <laughs> the valley gets crunk you know? <laughs> okay anyways sarah and the baby steps keep arguing and the snow above them starts to slide petrie tells them to shut the fuck up <laughs> and this is the final sound wave that broke the avalanche camel's hump that sounded much better in my head uh <laughs> Anyways, imminent death is now heading towards everyone in the form of an avalanche, and Fag is like, Why does this always happen when we go adventuring? And after everyone gets buried by the snow, besides Fag, who was able to dig everyone out of their frozen tomb, Fag is trying to show the others where the frozen berries are, but Sarah and Baby Steps just keep arguing. So Sag take so Sag so Fag takes his purple vision up the hill and sings, and through the power of song, he's able to convince to, he's able to get Ducky and the others to follow him to the frozen fruit. And as everyone grubs down, Fag is like, "This is how it should be: everyone happy and eating, not hungry and fighting." <laughs> the scene transitions to the Great Valley and Mr. Big Nose being impressed that the kids uh, for the kids finding the fruit, which is thawed now. And Topsy is like, well, here's the tree sweets I promised. And the gang is like, what about those tree sweets we couldn't get at the very beginning of the episode? And Topsy fucking rams it and Ducky and Chomper catch the falling fruit. Sarah gives Baby Steps shit for not thinking of doing that at the top of the episode, and the two argue more. 
back in Thag vision, Thag is all, Maybe those two would fight less if they ate more. And he continues grubbing down. Ruby and Ducky notice what's, uh, notice what's going on and are like, Sometimes I think we should learn to all be more like Thag. End episode. It's it's not offensive. It's it's a fine episode. Yeah. I just I just wish it had a different plot. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, the frozen if, berries plot I thought was dumb. The it, cold sweets because the way that Mister Big Nose talks about him, it's mm-hmm. like this this mysterious like oh have you heard of the legend of the frozen tree sweets? Like it's it's one of those like yeah it's passed down. It's like and also who the fuck goes to the top of a mountain for berries? <laughs> <laughs> I know, let's brave life and limb for very little chemical energy to sustain our massive bodies. How much energy did we burn on this fucking journey? <laughs> no, that's that's fair. We're though. bad at surviving, y'all. No one gives a shit, shit about the caloric intake of these dinosaurs in this series. They really don't. They really don't. They, I mean, with all the cold times, they would be migrating every year. With how badly the Great Valley gets dumped on with snow. They can't stay there either. Yeah. Okay. (sighs) 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 Episode 26. The last motherfucking episode. Thank you, sweet baby Raptor Jesus. We are almost done. I never thought we would make it. I wanted to give up so many times. So many times did I feel like throwing in the towel. But no, I knew I couldn't. I knew I had to muscle through and get it done. Mama Warren didn't raise a quitter. Woo! We are almost done. (laughs) I'm so glad I have a mixer now. (laughs) (coughs) I mean... Episode 26, The Great Egg Adventure. (laughs) The last episode opens up with Chomper leading the gang, minus Thag, Ruby, and Sarah, through a field and into a cave. As the gang delves into the cave, they hear Hip, the douchebag from movie 3, who we have not seen at all in any movie or episode since movie three but lucky for us he's here for the last one he's here for the last episode and gone out with a bang and latte has come into the office because dad was yelling and she's like the fuck father the fuck and then she yawned and she has a smile on her face dad i was sleeping she probably was sleeping and then sleep on the bed and then dad yelled and she's like i better go check on that sweet idiot (laughs) he's he may not be the best dad but he's the only dad i have okay so yes lucky for us hip is here yay whoopty fucking do chomper asks who hip is and this who hip and his douches are because he's got two douchey henchmen and baby steps is like they're just these chode bullies from movie three who for some reason the writers decided to punish warren with for our last episode so buckle the fuck up (laughs) anyways the uh, the gang finds fast biter eggs, and Hip and the others are like, Sharp tooth eggs? Smash them! And the baby gang stops them, because Chomper is like, No! You can't do that! All life is precious! And also, I'm a fucking sharp tooth! <laughs> yeah! And the gang is like, <laughs> Would you have smashed my eggs, you assholes? Oh, they absolutely would have, because mm-hmm. he's a sharp tooth. Well, the gang is like, 
Well, we have to do something. We can't let the eggs hatch near the Great Valley. And the gang hatches a plan to lure the <laughs> fast biters away from Great Valley using the eggs. Hatches. Hatches a plan. <gasps> the gang plus Hip and his crew are moving the eggs into the mysterious beyond when the eggs start to rumble, indicating they might start to hatch soon. Bad timing as the fast biter mother roars and is looking for her eggs. Baby Steps drafts Hip to help distract the fast biter while the others continue moving the eggs to a new cave in a mountain, like miles into the mysterious beyond. The baby gang and Hip's crew, without their leaders, sing about how dangerous the mission is to deposit the eggs elsewhere. His crew wants to bail and just leave the eggs, but Chomper is like, What? Are you scared? And the two dolts uh, and, uh, and and gets the two dolts to continue moving the eggs deeper and deeper into sharp tooth territory. Back at Baby Steps and Hip, they're hiding, and Hip is like, "Good plan, stupid face. Let's dump the eggs and leave." And Baby Steps tells him no. Hip tries to bail and is caught by the fast biter, who is very slow in giving chase. Baby Steps decides to roll the egg, but we see Hip, who has climbed a tree and is now at the mercy of the fast biter, who is just gnawing on the tree like a beaver. <laughs> Baby Steps hides the egg and rushes to Hip's rescue, tossing a branch that Hip uses to wedge in the fast biter's mouth and escape. Back at the leaderless gang, they hear a rustle in the bushes, and their leaders emerge and rejoin the group but not before hearing the fast biter roar, and they're like, we should split up into three groups since we have three eggs. Now, we're now focused on Chomper and his dumb partner, and they decide the fastest way is across the water. So they get a big leaf to float the egg on, but neither Chomper or Mutt are good swimmers. But Chomper is better than Mutt, who just flails and screams when he enters the water. The two get their bearings and splash across the water and to the other side. Chomper yells something to the fast biter in her native tongue, and the fast biter gives chase across the water. We cut to Petrie. We cut to Petrie and Ducky, who just sneeze and drop the egg. Yeah, exciting. Mm -hmm. We cut to Baby Steps and Hip, who are arguing, and the egg rolls away from them. Through a series of slap dickery, the egg rolls and bounces and falls and bounces and rolls and lands in Hip's hands. Somehow, all three groups just get reunited at the exact same time mm -hmm. as the fast biter closes in. The gang hits a dead end, and Baby Steps helps Ducky scramble up the ledge. They decide to form Voltron and hand the <laughs> eggs up to Ducky, who just rolls them. Chomper almost gets left behind, but is saved at the last moment. The gang makes it to the new nesting spot and deposits the eggs, then hides in a bush. Chomper exits the bush to yell something in Sharptooth before hiding again. The fast biter finds her eggs and growls before approaching the kids hiding in the bush. Everyone fucking bails and Ducky gets left behind before she can be brutally murdered just like her <laughs> original voice actor. The eggs hatch. And Warren! <laughs> it's Tyler's bad influence on me. Uh... The eggs hatch, and Mama Fastbiter hears her newborn hears the newborn's cries. The baby gang watches as the mom snuggles her new babies, completely oblivious that uh, the mom will need to feed the babies almost immediately. So they sing the adventuring song while watching the babies. Before Hip is like, "Uh, they eat us. We should go." 
And the gang leaves. <laughs> Continue singing the song as the as they uh, triumphantly walk home. But it's sunset in the mysterious beyond, and they are deep into the mysterious beyond. So, uh, yeah, makes sense that this is the last episode, because they all die, because they're in Sharptooth territory at night. But thank you, baby raptor Jesus. This is over. It's over. Do you hear that, dear listeners? Do you hear it? The land before time, pain in my ass, soul gauntlet, soul shredding gauntlet is finally over. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy it's done. Um, Warren? There's one more movie. Okay. What's our next episode? So next week for our land before time gauntlet it will be the land before time journey of the brave which came out the year i had my knee surgery and i watched it while recovering from my knee surgery and regretted its existence was that 2017 2016 2016 yep well uh... yep so, a little bit of post-mortem on this series, I guess. I I noticed something as we were listening to, or as we were watching <clears throat> these movies, not movies, these TV series episodes, whatever the fuck. As we're watching this TV series, I'm realizing that this is a hallmark of um, the sort of children's entertainment that happened in the early to mid-2000s. Um, you had a lot of reusing of the same songs, but in the case of, like, I, I think about shows like Blue's Clues, where, you know, you have, they recap something that goes on in the episode, but, uh, or, or Dora the Explorer uh, would do the same thing, where the songs would just be like, oh, we're just using this same song, like the <clears throat> map song, or the... Uh, I, I'm trying to remember the other songs in Dora the Explorer, but, um, they, they would reuse that music and just change, like, the lyrics a little bit, and I feel like Land Before Time, the TV series, was the logical conclusion of that sort of laziness. Yeah, and I feel like that that type of thing that you're talking about works the best with something like Dory the Explorer yeah. or Blue's Clues because, one, the target audience is really young yes. and they do a lot of repetition. But the other thing is they look directly into the camera and they're yes. talking to the audience. Yes. They have a self-contained story, but the audience member is a participant in that story. Absolutely. And they do the whole thing of like, can you see where this is? Yeah. And then they thank the audience member, you saved the day! Yes. Kind of thing, even if you were completely dead silent, which... I did that every time. I did. I was like, "Nah, was I'm. So I'm not. I'm not being talked down to in this way." It was so funny. Uh, uh, my sister, my baby sister, watching Blue's Clues 
you know, because I'm 10 years older than uh-huh. her. So I remember her watching Blue's Clues, and she would sit there and watch it when they would talk to her. And then it just made, just being a te- being a kid, watching that happen, like TV <laughs> talking to a baby who's just enthralled and doesn't say anything. And then they're like, that's right. And I'm just, you know, I'm like 11 or 12, and I'm just like, this is so stupid. <laughs> And, and like, that's the thing is that that is aimed at preschoolers and it's songs that get caught in the kid's head so that they remember it to use to learn something. And it's the same thing with, like, when Animaniacs would do a song, half of it was because uh, you can get a lot of money from royalties with songs, but the other half, they used it for educational purposes. Mm-hmm. The Land Before Time does neither. It does not try to get, like, it does get stuck in your head, unfortunately, as we can both attest to for the last, like, three or four weeks. Yeah, their songs get stuck in your head, but so can bullets. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's it's not anything particularly useful, and it's not educational at all. No. And I feel like this was sort of aiming for the same niche as Little Bear, which was aimed at older elementary kids. And I feel like that's what this... Or, not older elementary, but, like, I would say ages 6 to about 8 would be Little Bear. And I feel like that's where they were aiming this, but they kind of missed that mark, too, because... It, it it's a little tricky when you're dealing with a franchise that has been around for 20 years. <laughs> mm. Actually, now it's going to be, it's been around for 30 years now. For 30,000 years. But like it's, the it's, dawn of humankind. oh God, actually no. Land Before Time and I are the same age. Cavemen so used to gather around <laughs> hey. the fire and tell stories hey. of Little Bear. <laughs> But like it's it's you're taking a franchise that could have aged with the audience that it was being watched by because it started in 1988 and then continued through the 90s. You started in 1988. I did start in 1988, <laughs> but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. That's um, going back there. <laughs> oh my hell! But I feel like they. With the TV series, they're still trying to keep it at that younger audience and not really aiming it at the adults who might be watching it with the kids. There are a couple of times where there's a joke here or there that an adult would laugh at, but not not to the extent that it would be successful. You look at things like Steven Universe, that- which is aimed at... It it technically is aimed at a younger audience in the first season, but really it's an all ages and is meant to grow with the audience that's watching it. Yeah, and and you know we uh, we 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 use it as an example a lot because it's a good example. We tout the Steven Universe horn a lot because yes. it is exceptional in terms of 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 animation and storytelling and but, music but music and also how they treat their audience yes because they don't talk down they Mm-mm. don't dumb down what they're talking about yeah they handle things smart and that's i just think about growing up as a kid 
watching cartoons and how I, I remember being a teenager and uh, this is of course, you know, the internet wasn't the greatest at mm-hmm. this time and things were not as readily available as they are now. And so when I started discovering uh, anime, mm-hmm. it was very specific anime that was like being brought over to the West. Like yes. you didn't have access to a whole lot. It was like whatever Fox Kids was showing or mm-hmm. Cartoon Network, whatever they were cherry picking to bring over. And usually it was stuff that already was pretty popular. Yeah. And uh, one thing that I really enjoyed about those shows was that yeah, they were cartoons and a lot of kids really liked them, but they had, they weren't talking down to their audience. No. They weren't a lot of slap dickery. It was like, yeah. hey, there's a story and there's characters and they're going through stuff. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't a lot of just like, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which I mean, to be fair. To be fair. The Land Before Time TV series doesn't like do a. Hey, kids, we're gonna learn about forest fires today, or things like that. But <laughs> Only you can prevent mass extinctions. <laughs> they don't... It's such a weird series, because there are these brief moments where you have a little gem in there. Absolutely. But the rest of the series, like, it, like either the rest of the series or the rest of that particular episode just isn't enough to hold up and i don't know it's it's very it's a very lopsided tv series it is very lopsided and i can see why it didn't get another season it's so scattershot at least i should say i could see why it didn't get another season yet it is so incredibly scattershot it really is and it's very frustrating because Mm -hmm. you we want to like it. Yes. We do want to like it. However, we're not going to give credit where credit is not due. Yes. And even in dinosaur media, there's better now. Mm-hmm. There's Dinosaur Train, which is fucking amazing. Talking about shows that do not talk down to the Exactly. Audience. Yes, their stuff is specifically aimed for a younger audience, mm-hmm. but they handle every subject matter Very good. They handle adoption. They handle predation. They handle death and extinction. Yes. Like, they handle stuff really, really well Mm -hmm. in the way that they talk about it. And it isn't, it's not, it's not insulting. No, it it is, it is something that if, if five-year-old K had had Dinosaur Train, five-year-old K would not be a Land Before Time kid. That's a good way of putting it. Because... I was a Land Before Time kid because that's all I kind of had. Like, yeah. yeah, we had Dink the Dinosaur and Dino Riders and, um, what was the other one? Or not Dino Riders, Dino Saucers. Um, ah, I can't remember the names of some of the other ones, but like, yeah, there were dinosaur shows, but the Land Before Time was in that era. Like, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't dinosaurs suddenly being in New York City or things like that. It was just dinosaurs being <clears throat> dinosaurs, and that was the closest that I had to anything. And Dinosaur Train keeps them in their era and doesn't talk down to the audience. And Also, one thing I would say is that Land Before Time 
is not educational no, at all. It is, it is not. entirely adventure. It is yeah. an adventure series, whereas Dinosaur Train is purely educational. But Land Before Time tries to do moral education and they fall flat so a they lot. Do, they do such a bad job with their moral education. Because mm-hmm. they, they <laughs> fall into the, oh, all kids media has to have a moral at the end of every episode. What did I learn that. today? Except the characters don't carry those lessons on. No, they all. don't. But, yeah, I get what you're saying because I, you know, I grew up with the first Land Before Time very near and dear to my heart mm-hmm. even though it's it's dated by in a lot of yeah. dinosaur terms but that's just the march of time it's that's fine how it is but i for me this series peaked at movie one uh-huh. for just really really did it yeah was a nice nostalgia trip to watch that again you know i mm-hmm. got a little teary-eyed at, at the normal parts that make you teary-eyed mm-hmm. uh really enjoyed it and really it just makes me it just makes me look back at that and go man Everything that came after could have mm-hmm. been so much better. Mm-hmm. Just really could have. It's not as bad as when you watch Phantom of the Opera and then Love Never Dies. Oh, nothing. Nothing could be that bad. Uh, yeah. But. That, 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 that is so bad, it causes fractures in the space-time continuum and a wacky chase <laughs> that results in me almost dying multiple times yeah that's yeah. how bad that's how love bad never love dies never dies is. was and the land before time sequels don't come anywhere near that bad no they just are and and the tv series doesn't come anywhere near that bad like i said the tv series is better than the worst land before time movies because <clears throat> the worst land before time movies they're longer <laughs> And even even the worst episodes of the TV series, they're only 22 minutes and it's over. <laughs> Whereas with the movie, you're sitting there for 71 to 80 minutes just going, oh, God, is Mo going to go away? <laughs> Why are the yellow bellies here? Oh. Yeah. Tiny sauruses exist. <laughs> and they live underneath our feet. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. You're very, very fair. And I'm angry and jaded (laughs) and pissed off that it's not better, that it's not what I want it to be. Mm -hmm. No, I I hate that it's not as good as it could have been. Because, you know, you, especially with the TV series, there was, there were so many opportunities for something unique. And I don't know if it's a case of, children's television at the time like for that age group wasn't there yet as in the networks weren't willing to do that yet and that's very possible because it, it could be a thing of like oh you can't have it be a certain way because uh kids won't watch it mm-hmm. and we won't be able to sell it to our advertisers and yeah it's all it's always about money because it's it's very risky for kids shows to be serialized like steven universe was where every episode built on each other um whereas you know land before time is purely episodic but it leads to a lot of issues with characters learning a lesson which is the whole point from what i can tell the way that they did that they structured the land before time the point was that moral education of here's how to be a quote-unquote good person and they 
fail at it so many times, especially because it never carries over to the next episode. It never sticks. It never sticks. Not even like when it's a lesson for like about the adults. That never sticks. I think of Amazing Three-Horn Girl and how shitty that one is. Or I think of uh, really the adults reactions to any sort of newcomer after they have learned the same lesson about accepting new people multiple times topsy whatever topsy's alex jones in dinosaur form (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i'm not looking at him i'm looking at the iranosaurus or the iguanodon mother that doesn't learn her lesson that was learned in a previous episode like about accepting other people or even from a previous movie nothing fucking carries over and it's so frustrating that way the only things that carry over red claw exists screech and thud exist ruby and chomper exist ruby mm-hmm. and chomper are in the great valley for this specific reason that's it yeah that's all that carries over oh and the time of great giving exists Man. And Tippy oh. exists. That's it. <laughs> and Guido. Don't forget Guido and Mo. Fuck. God. Guido, Mo, Shorty, Braun. All the hits. Allie. <laughs> Allie, who took a nose definite nosedive. Nose she had character growth and then immediately face planted. Yeah, like, my fucking hell. You know, I was. When you're talking about uh, stuff with with the Lamp Four Times series and just kind of how it is a product of the time that it was done in mm-hmm. terms of how studios treat children's media, yeah. which again it's funny because it made me think again about why I, as a kid, really became interested in anime because mm-hmm. you know it was serialized; it did yes. build on itself. You know, of course, it, it, it's a huge spectrum. They have it for. Mm-hmm every kind of audience you know Mm -hmm. but the stuff that i was watching it did build on itself and characters did change and did grow and i really liked that Mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't just enclosed episodes yes um but i really wouldn't be opposed like i i should bite my tongue for what i'm about to say (laughs) given all the screaming and yelling and ranting and cursing that i've done over the last few months of Mm -hmm. episodes but I feel like the Land Before Time series could do with a reboot. Yes. And when I say that, you actually take scientific data that exists that we have that we can prove about dinosaurs from mm-hmm. fossils, and you make them more what they would have been. More mm-hmm. feathered dinosaurs. Yes. More what they would have been. You can have meat eaters and plant eaters living side by side because you know what? A pterosaur is not going to go after a three horn or a long neck no. or a spike tail. They might go after ducky, but you know what? Hey, these guys are friends. Yeah. And you know, hey, there's other stuff to eat. Yeah. So you could still tackle it. And then you could even have those dialogues of, of and they try to do it a couple times with Chomper. Yeah, but the dia- they fail so they, bad. They don't do it as good as they do. Like we talked about, it mostly becomes a race allegory, mm-hmm. which is not how you handle that kind no. of thing. No. No, really, that's, that's not how you handle that kind of thing. And you could handle, you know, that kind of stuff. We not 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 race allegories, but mm-hmm. you know, carnivores and herbivores living together, yeah. stuff like that. And you don't 
sugarcoating. You don't just have Chomper eating only bugs. Yeah. Like, fish exists. You could have had him eating fish. You could have had him eating small mammals and then have the episode with a small mammal and bring that into it and just like, oh shit, you can talk. Yeah. But, you know, it it's just... And then talk about, oh, well, I have to eat too. And... Mm-hmm. But they they wouldn't ever ever be brave enough to do that and even if you kept it in the original art style you could still improve the art style (laughs) well i mean like the from the original movie if you kept that like no improve the art style okay sharp teeth do not have blocky square faces yeah yeah but I, I'm just I'm I'm speaking for the nostalgics out there <laughs> that are for sure out there being like feathered dinosaurs look dumb, even though no feathered dinosaurs look fucking awesome. And I I want to go to Moab just to see that model with the feathered Stegosaurus because that was really cool. Where mm-hmm. it was just along the ridge, like you don't have to have them be you know, little foot with a full-on downy coat. You yeah. can just give them some little fluff every... Fluffies. Yeah, give them some fluffies. That's fine. But I thought of the, the, the tagline for the rebooted uh, Land Before Time series. Yes. The Land Before Time Ancient Adventures. That would be great. That and would that be way, really great. You can separate it from the other one. Mm-hmm. You can be like, yes, it is in this same... It's this same franchise, but... You, you know, we're not talking about Land Before Time, the enemies. We're talking about Land Before Time, ancient adventures. Yes, yes. And, I mean, if we were to try and make it scientifically accurate, Littlefoot and Spike can't be in the same era as Ducky, Sarah, and Petrie. But you can change... You can change the roster. You can yeah, change the cast. you can change the roster. You can even change Littlefoot from a apatosaurus to an alamosaurus that was around well you know what would probably be better to do if they are rebooting the series is have a completely different cast of dinosaurs yeah that would be better because but then be it's a not way you could introduce kids to dinosaurs that mm-hmm. they wouldn't necessarily know about yeah but uh, you would that that would turn it into probably a completely different franchise because of the way that land before time is it's very much the this main five character driven series, so you would still need to keep those characters for it to be a proper reboot. But you could still like you could have Littlefoot, but instead of him being an Apatosaurus, he's an Allosaur or an Alamosaurus. Instead of Spike being a Stegosaurus, have him be. I think that there were Thyreophorans in the Cretaceous. You could still have that happen. Like, you've got options to put them into and still have them be the same character because Littlefoot being an Apatosaurus led to literally nothing. (laughs) (laughs) They They don't care about the dinosaur facts, but we do. Like, Sarah being a three horn, that gets brought up more than, like, Littlefoot being specifically an apatosaurus. She's a three horn who never ever has three horns ever. No, no. <laughs> but like with with Littlefoot being an apatosaurus, I feel like it was just because they needed that stock dinosaur that everybody knows. 
Same as Spike being a Stegosaurus because everyone knows what a Stegosaurus looks like, same even though. Yeah, same as with Sarah being a Triceratops, Ducky being a a Sauralophus because reasons. Yeah. I don't know. What could have been? What could have been? But you know what could have been? The episode that's coming next. Oh, God. Journey of the Brave. That was a bad yeah. Uh, yeah, so I guess we will see our wonderful listeners for the final epic conclusion of the Land Before Time trip through hell. (laughs) And what a trip through hell it has been. Um, here's hoping that 15 doesn't happen. God, it probably will. I don't want the dark future to be true. Uh... Uh, uh. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. <laughs> thank you on for joining us. The third part and conclusion of the TV series, which I will never, ever, 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 ever watch again. Nope, there's no need. And if it got purged <laughs> from the internet right now, it served our purposes, so I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like, though, that just that image of like the the model of ruby walking that they would do every so often does need to exist uh, just so that we know not to ever do that again <laughs> parade float ruby <laughs> macy's day parade ruby i like ruby and chomper I, yeah ruby and chomper were the best they were a good plus to it yes. are they in movie 14 yes they're in movie 14 <gasps> okay spoilers ruby and chomper are the only good thing and the fact that they use nontherinkus which isn't a commonly used dinosaur and they don't make him look stupid i am glad ruby and chomper are yes. in the next movie yes good, good. All right, if you'd like to reach out to Kay and myself, you can do so at our home base, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. There we have links to all of our social medias, our Twitters, our Facebooks, our Instagrams, as well as a link to the Cast Junkie Discord server where we have our own Not Safe for Work channel. Please feel free to drop in, say hi, talk about pets or Land Before Time, and and actually not, please, don't, don't I? Uh, <laughs> you can talk I, about better I, dinosaur I, media than there. <laughs> I think it's I think it's becoming a trigger word for me now. Uh, I'm sorry, baby. All this trauma associated with it. Uh. <laughs> anyway, um, if you want to help out the show, you can do so by going to iTunes, Podchaser, Stitcher, wherever you can review podcasts and leave a five star review. You can say anything you want. You can say, "Yeah, Chomper and Ruby really should have their own movie and series without anyone else and it's just their adventures and they're perfect and the only good thing about this franchise. Um, If you want to go above and beyond you can do so by going to our Patreon which is Tone Deaf Musical and uh, donating on one of our tiers there uh, where you can get uh, bonus episodes, you can get your name read on the show, all sorts of awesome shit like that. Um, if you want to have a more tangible way of showing your love, you can do that by going to our tea public and getting t-shirts, masks, hoodies, stickers, all sorts of stuff. Um, anyway, thank you again so much for sticking with us with this. There's just one more Land Before Time episode, and then we've got to present our findings, and then after that, we're back to musical theater. Thank fucking God. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I cannot wait to start enjoying doing this with you again. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, this has been fun in its own way, but... But it feels like a slog a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it does. Yep, but we'll be back to musicals with Annie, and I'm so fucking excited. I am too, because uh, of reasons. Reasons and things. (laughs) And stuff. (laughs) And stuff. Anyway, that'll be it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Deaf. I am so fucking hungry right now.